I've just been reading over the Christmas story, and really what I want to do is just share about three thoughts with you. Um, and those three thoughts will last a little bit, but um, I've been really looking at not just the birth of Jesus, but the, the prophecy before Jesus was born. Uh, the prophets pretty much foretold everything that he was going to go through. And um, after reading some of this and really not dissecting it, but just diving into it and looking at the scriptures and the New Testament and looking back at the Old Testament and seeing where they line up, it, it really reveals a lot of God's heart for his people that even when he hadn't sent his son to die for them, the love of God was still as strong as it was when he sent his son. You know, a, a lot of times in our lives we feel like, man, I, I'm, I'm struggling through something, and, and, and sometimes we feel like God's love is withheld from us, but it's not his love withheld from us. It wasn't in the Old Testament. His love was not withheld from them, and then he released it in the New Testament to them. It wasn't that way. So it was the people's hearts turned from God, and sometimes we we feel like God's, you know, man, I don't know if God loves me. It's our ability to receive and understand who God is that allows us to open ourselves up or close ourselves off to the love of God. Because his love is always the same. It's never changing. It's, never, it's always constant. It's always consistent. But it's our ability to receive the love of God and be able to understand the love of God in our hearts and in our lives that really changes who we are as people. And if you guys turn to Isaiah 4, uh, Isaiah 7, 7, excuse me, 7, not 17. And this is, um, yeah, Isaiah 7. Starting in verse 10, it says, the sign of Emmanuel. And this was a phrase that was used throughout Isaiah, throughout a lot of the scripture, that this king, the deliverer was coming. And God was, was allowing his prophets, prophets to foretell the coming of the Messiah who would set his people free. But what they thought it was going to be, it was just going to be this, he's going to come and he's going to save the Jews and we're going to be, he's going to set up his kingdom like the disciples wanted. They thought, oh, when Jesus comes, he's going to, he's going to come in as a royal king and he's going to set up his kingdom. And that wasn't what God was, was planning on. God was, was planning on his... entrance in the most unsuspecting way ever. So if you guys turn to Isaiah seven fourteen, it says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So that right there, that word alone changes the perspective of how we relate to God. Before it was God is here and we go to God. But Emmanuel means that God is with us. God is present with us. And so what, what the prophets were doing is they were, were telling of a time that God was not only present, but he was going to be with us. And we see that in Jesus' life. We see that when he was born, people had no clue who he was. They knew that he was coming. Herod knew who he was coming. All the, all the kings knew of this coming king and they were nervous about him because they thought, who is going to come and set these people free? Are they going to revolt against us? But Jesus was coming to set up a kingdom in our hearts, not on earth. He was coming to set up a kingdom in our hearts because God knew if he could gain, gain our hearts, he could gain the world. So, 
Emmanuel means God with us. So when Jesus was coming into earth, Emmanuel was not just, oh, God's present, God's up there, he's looking down, because God wasn't present with people in the Old Testament. He was there, but he wasn't present in the way that he was in our lives today. We have a different, we have a different walk with God than the people of the Old Testament. We have the Holy Spirit. We have uh, Christ living in us. That was a different, it was a different time for them. And so we see that baby come to earth, and when they say Emmanuel, God with us, we're literally talking about God in heaven walking alongside of us. The disciples had their creator walking alongside of them and doing the same things they did, washing feet, feeding people, sleeping on a boat. And so the Emmanuel part of it is it's huge for us because we, we sing that song, we sing the different Christmas carols that have that in there, but we don't, if we really look into that, that means something. It's a, you know, that, that song, O Come Emmanuel, that's a cry. That is a crying out for people saying, God, please come. Our Savior, please come. There's an old Rich Mullen song from the early 90s that says, my deliverer is coming, my deliverer is standing by. It's kind of a, a story of the people in, enslaved, and they're, it's, it's not really all true, but it's ta- it has the presence of God, and it talks about how they're crying out for their deliverer to come. They're crying out for Emmanuel to come, for God to be with them. And so when we look at that, it's like, how amazing is it that we get to have God with us? Not just once a year at Christmas and we sing the songs and it makes us feel good. And we do but daily, the Son of God walks with us, in us. And His Spirit is living in us. So when Isaiah writes, he says, this is the sign I will give you. It says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive. And um, I I don't think Gabriel looked like that in a zip-up, you know, in a little floofy thing. But, you know, it's such a simple truth. They're telling the Christmas story in such a simple way that anybody can understand it. So if we turn to Matthew 1, I want you guys to understand this. Christmas is a time that um, is supposed to be a, a rejoicing of what God has done. This is Matthew one eighteen. It says, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother had been betrothed to Joseph, excuse me, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Don't ask me how she explained that to Joseph. She had to tell him somehow, and I don't want, I don't really understand how that conversation went. And, um, but, and her husband Joseph, being a just and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to, to, excuse me, her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. I want to stop right there. It says, Joseph, son of David. It's a prophecy in the Old Testament that David, that Jesus would be born of the lineage of David. And so when he says son of David, Joseph, son of David, Joseph was the 
entrance point for Jesus to become that son of David. But as he considered these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all took, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. So we see God in Isaiah 400 years in the past saying, Behold, I will send you a sign. And then an angel shows up to Mary, I'm guessing probably about a 16-year-old girl, and says, Oh, by the way, the Holy Spirit, you've conceived a baby and it's by the Holy Spirit. Trying to explain that to everybody. And then she has to explain that to Joseph. And Joseph, I understand that it says that he was a just man and didn't want to shame her publicly. So it means that he was going to basically probably marry her and then move to another city and and divorce her privately so no one could know in her hometown what was happening. So we see Joseph, and he's, he's trying to do the right thing. He's like, okay, well, I don't believe her because, yeah, yeah, the Holy Spirit, you know, if your kids ever come to you and say that, no, absolutely not. Yeah, there's only one. So the angel shows up and, and basically says to him, and it's proving what God had given a sign of in the Old Testament. It says, Joseph, son of David, Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And so he takes that responsibility. So, Verse 22 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until they had give, she had given birth to a son, and, she call, and they called him Jesus. So the prophet Isaiah foretells of a, son, of a child coming. Joseph is confirmed that prophecy by the angel. Joseph had to understand some of what that prophecy was because in that time there was no New Testament. They didn't have anything that we're reading. They lived from the Old Testament. They lived from the prophets. So what was taught every Sunday was the prophets, was the books of Moses. So they knew of what was coming, and so they had, he had probably heard that. So when the angel comes, trust me, if an angel shows up to you and says something and confirms a, a word that happened 400 years before, you're probably going to believe it. So he gets an angel to show up and confirms that exact word that was given in the Scripture. Word for word, exactly what was going to happen. And he says, you will call him Emmanuel. The phrase God with us is so powerful because I can think of the time when God wasn't with me, when he wasn't present in my life. And so for that woman to have a child that she knew was going to be the savior of the world was present in her. And I want you guys to turn to Matthew for me, or excuse me, uh, Luke. Luke. 
Luke one thirty eight. Luke one thirty eight says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So this is the angel telling her that she has conceived a baby. 39, in those days, Mary arose and went in haste to the hill country. Trust me, 16-year-old girl, not married. She went to the hill country. She lived with her family there while she was, after she had conceived because of the shame it would have brought to her family. She entered the house of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the first time you see that in the New Testament. First chapter of Luke, it says that John the Baptist, who was in Elizabeth's womb, jumped and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. We see something so unique with that, that it's that even before he was born, the presence of the Son of God in her womb brought God with us to people. It brought the Holy Spirit to Elizabeth. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't see that until, basically for other people, until the day of Pentecost. So she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, I understand that when John the Baptist started his ministry, he was powerful. But there's something that happened in Elizabeth and happened in John the Baptist that became God with us because it was so evident in the ministry of John the Baptist that he knew who Jesus was. He was an Old Testament prophet in a New Testament time and he was proclaiming the coming of Jesus who would take away the sins of the world. So when the Holy Spirit came into, into Elizabeth, something happened in John the Baptist, I guarantee you. Because when he, from the moment he started his ministry, it was, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. He is here. He, make way. So, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 42, it says, She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why should the Lord come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby leapt for joy in my womb. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. It is so powerful to see the acknowledgement of Elizabeth of what happened from the moment they greeted. They're cousins. They, they, they've probably greeted each other multiple times. She probably didn't know that Mary was pregnant at the time. Mary probably had to explain some things to her when she, you know, they didn't have cell phones, Facebook Messenger, text messaging. They didn't, you know, they didn't even have Western Union. You know, you send the message and you get there about five minutes before the message actually shows up, you know. Um, so Mary probably went there not telling Elizabeth what was going on. But the, the joy that overcame Elizabeth of Emmanuel, God with us. There was something in the presence of Jesus, even in the womb, maybe two months along, a month along, before she started showing, 
that, deli- that the Holy Spirit came, that it was so powerful from Jesus in the womb that came that the Holy Spirit was so strong that it filled Elizabeth because Emmanuel, God, was with them. So how much more power, how much more God with us do we have with Christ living in us than they who were in the presence of Jesus. You've got to remember, if you remember the backstory of Elizabeth, she was barren. God had told them, oh, you'll have a son. And a lot of different circumstances happened, you know, and, and Zechariah was basically mute until his son was born. Um, but Elizabeth knew that there was nothing po- impossible with God, and it says that in the Scripture. This woman had faith that God was going to deliver them a son, going to give them a son. If you guys get a chance to, I'm not going to read it today, but I want you guys to read um, Luke 1, 67 through 80. It's right before the birth of Jesus, and it's Zechariah's prophecy. Um, And it's super powerful to see what God gave him. Prophecy, you've got to remember this, prophecy is always from God. It may not be a, a scriptural thing that you come out and say, okay, well, this is what God, thus saith the Lord. Um, but the prophecy that God gave him was so powerful that it foretold what Jesus was going to do for his people. I want you guys to turn to Luke 2. We're going to move on here. Um, and I'll be about five minutes and I'll let you guys go. Um, so Luke 2 talks about how they had to go to Bethlehem on the donkey or the camel, whichever was the fastest one that they had. Um, but it goes back because Bethlehem was, the, was Joseph's hometown. It was the lineage of David. And so that's where that comes in, that he would be born in Bethlehem from the lineage of David. Um, verse 8. This is after Jesus' birth. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. I feel like I hear Charlie Brown in my head. I'm hearing Charlie Brown, uh, Linus, or whatever it is, reading this as I, as I read this. So, um, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be with all people. For unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord is, is born. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with, there was with the angel a multitude of a heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom he is well pleased. Certain translations, we read certain translations, King James, New, uh, New King James and NIV, but I was looking at different translations of the way that they, they spoke and what they said about that. And this is what got me. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom with, excuse me, 
who, those with whom he is pleased. Sorry, that was a tongue twister there. But it said that he is pleased. You know, I was um, listening to something about Christmas, and, and it got me thinking of, of, and they were talking about the Christmas time and how, you know, certain stores aren't supporting Christmas. And, and I'm going off track here, but I want to exp- express this to you guys, is they were going off, he was talking about, oh, these stores don't support Christmas. They say holidays and not Christmas. And, and they're like, we're going to boycott them. And I'm like, okay. I said, I'm thinking to myself, I said, self, you know, I'm in the car and I'm talking to myself out loud. I do it a lot. Um, and they're like, you know, we, we got to get back to Christmas and, and saying, you know, Merry Christmas. And, and, and um, because when we get away from that, God's judgment is going to be poured out on us. And I was thinking to myself, I said, you know what? Absolutely not. Because right here in Scripture, it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. It says earth. And we were, they were so focused on making sure that we say the right things at Christmas. Otherwise, God's judgment on our country is going to be poured out. And it says God is well pleased with us. Some translations say, the war, say war is over, peace on earth. I want you to remember this. God sent his son as a peace offering to a people that he never did anything to. They violated the contract and, and the, the accord that they had with him. At once, the angel was joined by a huge angelic chor, choir, choral, singing God's praises, glory to God in the heavenly heights, peace to all men and women on earth who please him. As the angel of the choir withdrew over heaven, the shepherds talked it over. Let's go to Bethlehem as fast as we can. But we're so, he sent his son as a peace offering to people who violated something that he had set up, an agreement, a bond, a covenant that he had set up. He sent his son to say, Let's send this. How many people who don't do anything send a gift to the people who, who hurt them and said, I want this to end. Here's a gift. I mean, I can't say it. Like, who can say they've done that? Just call them up and say, hey, I'm sending you, you know, I'm sending you this gift because I know that you, you hurt me a lot, but I'm sending you this gift because I want it to be over with. How much does God want God with us? That he sent something to people who broke his trust, broke his confidence, broke the the covenant they had with him so he could create a new covenant with us. Think of the worst thing that could happen to you by somebody else and, and say, you know what, I'm going to, they broke a bond with me, they broke a trust with me, and I'm going to send them something so I can regain their trust and regain that connection with them. It's hard to say that we could do that as people. So when God says, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, he's saying, let's stop this. I'm sending you something so I can regain my connection with you. I'm sending you my son, whom you don't even realize. Everybody's like, oh, Jesus was a baby. It was a baby. He's a gift. Yes, he's the gift. But the gift wasn't even, that, wasn't even there yet. 
he still had to live his life and get to the gift that it was going to be given to us, which is salvation. But God sent something to us even though we never deserved it. He gave the life of his own son to us when we were the ones stopping the connection with him. We stopped the flow of heaven to earth. And God's like, well, I'm going to break that valve open and I'm going to send my son. So it says when I say Emmanuel, that means God with us. That way when we live our lives, we can have God with us, in us, around us, Holy Spirit living in us. So when we think about, when we sing these Christmas songs, think about Emmanuel, God, with us. Because a lot of these Christmas songs are, are singing about Jesus, but they're singing about his coming. And, and we rejoice in his coming, but we rejoice even greater in his final works. His final works were on the cross, going to hell, dying for us so we didn't have to, resurrecting and basically kicking Satan's butt and saying, you know what, you have no power, you have no keys, you don't have access to them anymore, I have the authority. And then as a final act of love, he says, you know what, I'm great, you love me, but I can't do what my partner's going to do, and that's the Holy Spirit. And he sends us a gift of the Holy Spirit and says, you know what, greater things you will do with the Holy Spirit than I've done So when God says, Emmanuel, God with us, he means forever he will be with you. From the moment he, you were born to the end of your life, God is there, always present. And we have the right to accept him and say, you know what, Emmanuel, God with me. Jesus Christ in my heart says that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's an amazing thing because all we have to do is cry out to God and he says, you know what, I'm going to place my son in you. And my son's going to direct you and the Holy Spirit's going to direct you and God is going to be with you, in you, and through you for your life. But we have to look at what God did and said, you know what, the, 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 the gates of the river that were shut off by Adam and Eve, I'm reopening those back up so you can have living water. Let's pray.